Good afternoon. We're in Psalm 1, our short study of Psalm 1, which we started last Lord's Day. What a beautiful psalm. What pursuit of happiness is worthwhile as we consider this psalm of the truly blessed man, the happy man, the twice happy man. Let's read together just the first three verses today of Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. This is the Psalm of Psalms, as we said last last week, and it kind of sets the path and sets the stage for all the other Psalms, and it describes in the first half the state and the blessedness of the godly, the truly happy man. And we're in the first three verses on Psalm 1. We'll conclude that today by just looking at verse 3 there. And then in two weeks' time, not next week, the last three verses which describe the wicked, the destiny, their final destiny, the wicked in contrast to the godly, to the truly blessed man. So we've had five points. I said there were six last week, but I've narrowed that down to five points and we considered the first, the first four last Lord's Day morning. So, theoretically, we have a short study in this hot weather this afternoon. We have before us the character of the godly man. It's setting the scene, as I said, for the rest of the Psalms. Let me just remind you of the first four points we considered last week from verses 1 and 2. And I express these in the positive, though the first three verses expresses them in the negative. The truly happy man walks a narrow path. And I transliterated a little bit because of the Hebrew plural here. Oh, the blessednesses of the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The truly happy man walks a narrow path. Number two, secondly, we observe the truly happy man is only comfortable among the saints. Oh, the blessednesses of the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. He's not comfortable there. Thirdly, we observe the truly happy man takes his seat among the righteous. Oh, the blessednesses of the man who does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. And fourthly, last week we considered viewing the psalm through the lens of the New Testament which you cannot help as New Testament saints, the truly happy man's delight is in the logos of God. The logos of God. Oh, the blessednesses of the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So that by way way of recap, our fifth and final point in the first half of this psalm, is number five then, or number one, if you only want one point for today. 
truly happy man is prosperous in all that he does. Truly happy man is prosperous in all that he does. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. The multiple blessednesses of the godly man is shown by three things in this text that they come straight out of the text, illustrating that he is a man that prospers in all that he does, the truly blessed man. But we do need to note here that the blessed man here described is not guaranteed prosperity in material things. That is not true. Blessedness, as has become obvious in this song, or earthly riches, but we are talking about soul prosperity. Prosperity in your spirit. The godly path he has chosen is a path that describes his life and his actions. It doesn't describe his bank account. It is a path of righteousness that is governed by his delight in God's law, specifically the moral law of God and the whole word of God, which is God's law, and as we observed last week, the law of Christ. And his delight is in Christ, because Christ is the Logos of God. It's not just a delight in the justice and the righteousness of the law, but he has made the law his constant meditation, as we saw last week. In other words, he continues to familiarize himself with the law of God by meditation that he may walk in it. Not so that he can quote scripture or be clever theologically, but so that he can walk in it. It is a lamp to his feet and a light to his path. Consider also for the New Testament saints, the law of the Lord is the word of God. All of scripture, the word of Christ, so his delight is in all the word of God, the commandments of Christ, who is the Logos of God. To use Christ's word, the blessed man is the man who first seeks the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be added. And they are just what is needful. Our daily bread. Our daily bread. And with that... We ought to be content because the pursuit of happiness in this psalm is soul pursuit. It is not a material pursuit. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not food or drink, material prosperity. He said, is not life more than that? And Romans 14, 17 tells us this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace, and of joy in the Holy Ghost. This is a worthwhile pursuit of happiness. This is true prosperity, and it will attend the godly man wherever he goes, soul prosperity. Whatever he does is in conformity to the law of God, because he loves the law of God, because it doesn't condemn him. It is his delight it's his supreme delight and his meditation. And so we must ask, what does soul prosperity 
look like as we come now to positive characteristics which started in point number four last week the blessed man who delights himself in the law of God who, who meditates it on day and night and he's described as for us here in verse three of Psalm 1 continuing the positive characteristics how may we recognize the truly blessed man that we may measure our lives accordingly because we said last week the one thing every human being wants aside from wealth is happiness even the poor man just pursues happiness I want to be happy and so many wealth people have not found happiness. They are just rich so they can choose where they can be miserable. But true blessedness, the psalmist has found, and we need to gauge and measure our lives if we want to be truly happy, if we want to be godly, if we want to be righteous. So three characteristics, three sub-points this afternoon from our text. Firstly, he is known... The blessed man, the truly blessed man, is known by his position. He is known by his position. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. The truly happy man is likened to a tree. His blessedness is illustrated here by comparison, by saying he is like a healthy tree, a fruitful and flourishing tree. And we need to note here that it's not a wild tree. Did you catch that? But it's a tree, a, 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 by a deliberate act of planting, the gardener takes and he plants this tree. It's not just wild. He takes a tree and he is like a tree planted where there is sustenance and refreshment guaranteeing his fruit it's planted in the best place possible to bear fruit close to its source of sustenance the streams of water i love the picture since i was a little boy of trees along a river and it comes from vacations we used to go while my grandparents on the Dutch side were still alive. They lived on a farm in the Free State. And so we used to go to Frankfurt, this little town, and, and stay in these rondavels, which is like a round cabin, I guess. It had a bathroom and, and communal showers and everything. But the most beautiful thing, the most exciting thing about going is to see the weeping willow trees in that little town all along the river, providing beautiful shade. And they are absolutely beautiful, and they are almost always green. And the righteous are frequently described in Scripture as trees that are a planting of the Lord. For example, even in the Old Testament, in the prophecy of the, of, of the gospel in Isaiah of Christ, we read, to grant those who mourn, in Zion, to give them a beautiful headrest instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord 
that he may be glorified. And such is the truly blessed man, the man righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 22 and 14 says, Blessed are those whose robes are washed, whose sins are forgiven, so that they may have a right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. But righteousness and holiness is ultimate blessedness and grants us access to the glorious presence of God forever. And true blessedness starts with the planting of the Lord and the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 32 declares, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered over. Yes, the Old Testament saints could delight in the law of God because of the promise of the forgiveness of sins right throughout the Old Testament. True blessedness can only be found when a man trusts in God. And friends, if you're visiting here today and you want to pursue happiness, but you also want to be rich and a few other things, but you really just want to be happy, it can only be found if you trust in God. Material blessings can make your life comfortable on this earth, but cannot provide lasting joy and happiness. They cannot ease the conscience from sin. They cannot provide remission of sin. This can only be found in Christ. And the Old Testament saint who trusted in God could find God's law to be his delight because of this promised forgiveness of sins in the coming Messiah of God. The suffering servant of Jehovah prophesied in the Isaiah and so clearly, in fact, this golden thread of the gospel as Spurgeon says, runs throughout the Old Testament, starting with Adam and Abraham and all the patriarchs and the prophets and the men who trusted and believed God was credited to them as righteousness. Brothers and sisters, the heavenly gardener plants the tree and even the wild olive branch. This is the New Testament. He, the Gentile, he is spoken as being grafted into the vine. And Christ's teaching on the vine and the branches makes this clear. Just like the blessed man is spoken of as the planting of the Lord, so the man who is trusted in Christ must continue to abide in the vine as he's been planted, as he's been grafted into the vine, into the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the truly blessed man. And Christ came that his own might have life. And have it more abundantly. That was his words. True blessedness. Soul prosperity. Sins forgiven. Righteousness and holiness. It delights in the law of God. I am the vine, said Jesus. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the promised blessing of the godly man is that he is like a tree planted by streams of water, guaranteed to flourish, guaranteed to produce fruit in season. And the divine blessing produces real effects in the believer's life. It is the happiness of the godly man that he is planted by the grace of God. 
And the trees were by nature. These trees were by nature wild olives and will continue so until they are grafted anew. And so planted with the power from above and the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this what John chapter 3 tells us all about? The miraculous work of the Spirit. And even to the Old Testament saints who trust in God. That new heart and and the new spirit that will be given to him. No tree, no godly man ever grew by himself. No earthly man became a godly man through his efforts in keeping the law. It is the planting of the Lord, and therefore he must be glorified in it. Isaiah 63, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Godly man receives his life and his strength and his nourishment, his vigor from the planting of the Lord and in Christ and in his word. Faith always comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Blessed man is characterized by his position. By his position, he's the planting of of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Second, how is the godly man known? How is a truly blessed man known? By his consistent fruit. By his consistent fruit. You may be a godly man and trusted in Christ. Your sins are forgiven. And that your leaf is nice and green. Your profession is great. You dress really well on Sunday mornings. But are you like my olive tree in my back garden? In five years it produced fruit only once. Truly godly man is known by his consistent fruit. That yields its fruit in season. That's what the godly man looks like. That yields its fruit in season. In season, the psalmist describes the outcome of the planting of the Lord as a fruit-bearing tree in season. I quote, It is expected from those who enjoy the mercies of grace that both in the temple of their minds and the tenor of their lives, they comply with the intentions of grace and then they bring forth fruit. It's a natural consequence to the praise of the great vine dresser of the vineyard. They bring forth their fruit, that which is required of them in due season, when it is most beautiful and most useful, improving every opportunity of doing good and doing it in its proper time. How do you measure up? To that providing of fruit in its season. The godly man's practices shall be his fruit abounding to a good account. Paul spoke about this in Philippians 4.17. Not that I seek the gift, he says. It is good that you give and and they were generous in their giving. He says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In other words, the good that the churches did to Paul and the other apostles and supplying their needs and enriching them in receiving the word with meekness was their reward. This was it in providing for their needs. 
That was the fruit that increased to their credit. They received with meekness the implanted word. But what do you suppose the psalmist means by bearing its fruit? What did that look like? Was it not an application of the law of God in his life? This law that he delights in and meditates upon day and night? The only good fruit that can come from the law is obedience to the law. That's the only good fruit that can come from the law, obedience to the law. And it's not a slavish obedience of fear as the prospect of punishment looms over you and you're driving on the highway and you're doing 80 miles an hour in a 70 zone and you cannot delight in the Lord's just fear and perhaps you slow down because of fear of the Lord. No, the law of the Lord is your delight. It is your pleasure to keep it. It is your meditation day and night. He loves to please the lawgiver, and he makes the law his guide for living. It's the same psalmist who said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love this. I love the law of God. I love the commandments of God. They describe his character. Oh, I love the law of God because it sends me to my Savior when I cannot keep this law perfectly. But I love it. And I store it in my heart so that I might not sin against you. In my heart, in my heart there where I keep my darling thoughts. That's where I store them. That's the place where my special thoughts go. And my wife and my loved one and my children, I store them in my But God first, his law, I store it in my heart. And this is kind of like Paul speaking in Romans chapter 7 when he is so disappointed that he cannot keep the law. That conflict, he has this desire to please Christ. It's the good that I want to do and the conflict of remaining sin that sometimes causes me to do the very thing that I do not want to do. But I want to please Christ. I want to obey the law of God and the commands of Christ. This is what it means to bear your fruit in season. To obey the law of Christ. To delight yourself in his commands. And in the wanting to keep his commands to show your love for the Savior. This is the fruit of the Spirit for the New Testament saint. Because of the planting of the Lord, the gospel of the grace of God in Christ, in the life of the believer. What does that look like? It's faith and works described in the letter of James that we have seen. It's not mere talk and profession, but it's the power of love and good deeds. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. It is the doing of the word of God. That is the fruit of the gospel. This is the only true happiness for the believer. His love for God and his love for his brothers and his obedience to the law of Christ, that is motivated by his delight in that law. As Samuel said in 1 Samuel, Behold, it's better to obey. To obey is better than the sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. I love that old hymn, Trust and Obey. Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. This is true blessedness. 
to delight yourself in the law of God and the commands of Christ and wanting to keep them and hiding that word, meditating on that word, familiarizing yourself in that word so that it may become a part of you, so that I may walk according to his word. Therein is found true happiness so that when my season comes, when my brothers indeed are knocking at his door, I'm knocking at his door because I love him. And this is the fruit of the Spirit in my life, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and goodness. This is the fruit that doesn't have different names. It's one fruit. It's a package deal. This is not profession of a mere confession of what we believe, which is important. But the truth of that profession and confession is in bearing fruit in season. Love and obedience. A love with heart, soul, mind and strength, with service and devotion and worship to Christ, obedience to God and a deep love for the children of God proved by our display of love and good deeds. Listen to Martin Luther. I really like this quote. Excuse my many quotes here. Martin Luther said, But this blessed man... Being free at all times, in all places, for every work, to every person, will serve you whenever opportunity is offered to him. That's healing your fruit in season. Whenever an opportunity is offered to him, whatsoever comes to his hands to do, he does it. He's neither Jew, nor Greek, nor barbarian, nor any other particular person. He gives his fruit in season, so often as either God or man require it. Therefore his fruits have no name and his times have no name. The blessed man is characterized by consistent fruit. Thirdly and finally, we're nearly done. Thirdly and finally, he's characterized by his steadfastness. Truly blessed man And his leaf does not wither. That tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither. And I thought that weeping willows were evergreen, but they are not. But the truth is they are the first to leaf and they are last to fall, which explains it to me. We probably went only in one season. I never saw a dead or a withered-looking willow tree the psalmist described the truly blessed man as being an evergreen tree. There is no winter experience that fades and causes his leaves to wither. There is no summer heat that burns and destroys his leaf. Once again, this is because the blessed man is a planting of the Lord by the sustenance and the refreshment of streams of water, the living word of God, the law of God that he delights in, and his branches are full of nourishment all the time, and its leaf does not wither. He's sustained by the law of the Lord and the word of Christ through the means of grace. That is why we're here. We come here and we feel withered and worn and we have sin clinging so closely with disappointment and infirmity and death in our family and sickness and all of these things. But the godly man, his leaf does not wither. 
because he is a planting of the Lord. And because the Lord planted him in the word of Christ. And that word and his law is our delight. And in that he meditates day and night. He is sustained by the law of the Lord and the word of Christ. So that his branches are full of sap and nourishment to sustain him in the hardest and most trying seasons of life. Because this is true blessedness. It's not the absence of infirmity. It's not the absence of, of anything. But it is trusting in the Lord Christ and in his word and being evergreen. His leaf does not wither. And Pastor Rick's text from this morning, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, because it described in the time of Habakkuk that this godly and blessed man through the greatest and most trying calamities, even the loss of all possessions, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why? Because it's soul prosperity. And Job, he loses everything. He loses near everything except his life. Though he slay me, yet I will praise him. I will hope in him. And notice, too, that the psalmist describes the fruit before he describes the leaf. Did you see that? Oh, what a beautiful tree. We don't look for the fruit first. That's beautiful. I want that tree in my God. It's so green. Do you know it stays green most of the year? But he notes that it is the work. It is the work. He describes the fruit before he describes the leaf because the kingdom of God is not about word but in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 The kingdom of God does not consist in talk but in power. And Christ's work even on this earth is described in this way. And though Christ on rare occasions proclaimed himself to be the son of God and those were kind of difficult occasions where he sometimes had to flee from the people who wanted to stone him but he first displayed his works and his loving obedience to the father from the first from the first the fruit the fruit from the evergreen tree Acts chapter 1 in my first book of Theophilus I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Luke chapter 24, verse 19. He said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And if you profess Christ and you confess the doctrine of Scripture, first put forth the fruits of life. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The truly blessed man's profession shall be preserved from blemish and decay. His leaf shall not wither. And we should note this blessed man is described as an evergreen tree, not merely for witness and beauty, but for steadfastness in producing fruit. Steadfastness. In bearing fruit. Some trees are evergreen. And my olive tree used to look really nice. It's dying now. It's dying. It's dead. And I don't know why. It produced fruit once and it's died. Remember the olive tree that Jesus cursed for not bearing fruit? 
It was green in leaf. It professed to be a real tree with real fruit. And Christ looked for the fruit, but it only withered after he cursed it. It was a green tree. It reminds us of Christ's teaching again and the work of the master gardener, doesn't it? In Matthew 7, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. James said the same thing, didn't he? In James chapter 2, verse 28, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Brothers and sisters, let's apply this to our hearts today. Those who only bring the leaves of profession without any good fruit, their leaf will finally wither one day and you'll be as much ashamed of your profession as you were proud of it. Brothers and sisters, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it rule in your heart to keep your profession green and to bear your fruit in season. Colossians 3.16, I quote this often, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. This is the truly happy man's delight and meditation. The law of the Lord, the scriptures, the word of God. And finally, remember the trials of many kinds that will come to you every day. This is what James taught us. And either the temptations to sin from your own passions at war within you, let these be to good effect because your faith is in God and the purpose, the God-intended outcomes for all this is steadfastness that you may remain evergreen in your profession, bearing its fruit in season. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Truly happy man prospers in all that he does. The truly happy man is characterized by his position, He's like a tree planted by streams of water. The truly happy man is characterized by his consistent fruit that yields its fruit in season. And the truly happy man is characterized by his steadfastness. And his leaf does not wither. He is evergreen. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners will sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. How do we measure up today to the godly man, to the righteous man, in Psalm 1, the truly blessed man. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for our salvation. 
that it is not of ourselves, but we are a planting of the Lord. How we thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. How we thank you, Lord, for sins forgiven. And how we thank you for your Holy Spirit who brings forth fruit in our lives. Oh, Lord, help us to watch our lives, our profession, and help us to produce good fruit in season, to be steadfast in good works. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your blessed word. Help us to love it more. Help us to delight in your word every day. Help us to take it into our hearts that we might not sin against you. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.